everyone, and welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we're thrilled to bring you today yet another super special bonus episode of the podcast. It's an exclusive interview with... I don't know, someone who's pretty important to both the National Treasure movies and show, I would say. Uh, yeah, I want to say landing this one was, like, uh, pretty clutch. Yeah, 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 I'm so stoked. Ah, the literal, okay, you know what, before we go into the details, let's get the business out of the way, maybe? Yeah, uh, so we've been working really hard to get you this super awesome content, and we hope that you will continue to follow us for more, so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. You can also check us out at nthuntpodcast.com. And please go ahead and order our book, National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy, at tuckerdspress.com. Okay, so glad we got that business out of the way, because now we can start gushing over this conversation. Um... Yes. When we got this interview scheduled, as Emily said, it felt very clutch. And as we were preparing for the interview, you know, I here's some little behind the scenes info of how National Treasure Hunt works. I kind of took a first stab at drafting questions for the interview. And I very quickly had like 20. There were a lot of questions. Yeah. 20 is too many. So like I had to cut them down, but I had so many questions. Em. I mean, like like we said, this person's important in both the movies and the show, so I feel like it's fair, right? Like, we have a backlog of <laughs> questions. <laughs> That's true. We had to a- ask the questions about both parts of the franchise. So, yes, maybe we should actually talk about who we are talking to. Our guest today is Armando Riesco, who you all know as Agent Hendrix in National Treasure and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. And more recently, spoiler alert, he's also Salazar in National Treasure Edge of History. Oh my goodness, there's so, so much to dive into here. But I do want to advise that all of y'all go ahead and watch him on Disney Plus in all three of these pieces of media, if you will, especially after listening to today's conversation. Yes, for sure. So what are you going to get from this episode? Aubrey, uh, do you have something to share? Uh, Yes. You will be learning what National Treasure role Armando originally auditioned for. Spoiler alert, it was not Agent Hendrix. You will also learn how Harvey Keitel helped Armando to get a non-National Treasure role. That was a cute story. And maybe most importantly, or most interestingly... How Agent Hendrix himself rationalizes his actions in the films, given the new context of that character in Edge of History. That was a big question that I was really excited to ask, and the answer did not disappoint. It did not. But let's not leave the people waiting any longer. No, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Okay, so without further ado, please welcome Armando Riesco to National Treasure Hunt. 
For years, you knew him as Agent Hendricks of the FBI, but if you watch season one of National Treasure Edge of History, you will know that he now has a second, more nefarious identity, Salazar. Armando Riesco, welcome to the National Treasure Hunt podcast. Hello, hello. I'm very happy to be here. Oh my gosh, we could not be more excited, genuinely, and we just know how much our listeners are going to love this as well. We always like to start these conversations um, with an opportunity for our listeners to get to know you as a person a little bit better, since I think they, they've they known you in one capacity for a very long time. So would you mind telling us just a little bit about yourself and how you came to be an actor? Um, sure. Uh, my... Um... So yeah, my name's Armando. I my family's Cuban, but I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. My dad was a professor at the University of Puerto Rico, and so my brother, my sister, and myself were born and raised there. And um, I didn't really want to become an actor until I was about seventeen, uh, when I met a uh, an English teacher who was like a priest. I went to like an all boys Jesuit school, very crosses nostra. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, he was an awesome Irish New York guy who loved the theater. And he taught us about random stuff. We, he had a class called Poets and Playwrights. And he taught us about Arthur Miller and Billy Joel and all kinds of random stuff that he liked. And one day he pulled me aside and he was like, have you ever thought about being an actor? And I didn't have any other plans. You know, I, I certainly wasn't following in my family's footsteps. Like my dad was a math wizard, basically. He's like an industrial engineer and, and I did not get that gene. So uh, long story short, I, I ended up majoring in theater at Northwestern University in Chicago and uh, moved to New York shortly thereafter, like in 2001. And one of the first films that I did I think it was maybe like third maybe the third or fourth film that I did was National Treasure it was just came out of the blue it was awesome and um uh yeah and I've been an actor ever since you know I'm kind of like a typical I guess working New York City actor you know I've done theater film tv video games um industrials voiceovers like commercials for toilet paper i mean like you name it <laughs> i've done it and uh and i'm still here oh my gosh well can want to do you want to name drop any other you know shows or movies or even plays that you've been in that our listeners might know you um, from sure uh let's see uh, films i was right around the same time as national treasure i was cast in garden state which is um the Zach Braff yeah. uh, movie with Natalie Portman and stuff. And people recognize me from that probably more than from National Treasure, I would say. Until now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a show called The Shy on Showtime, which uh, also a lot of people saw. Um, and I've just, you know, I've just been one of those guys that just kind of like pops in and out of stuff here and there. And in theater, I've been... I was a part of a trilogy of plays that ended up, uh, one of them won the Pulitzer Prize called, wow. uh, yeah, one of them, uh, the, the one that won the Peter, uh, the Pulitzer Prize is Water by the Spoonful, 
and it was written by Kiara Alegria Huris, who co-wrote In the Heights with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, uh, so anyway, it's a trilogy of her plays, not like In the Heights at all. Very like dark. <laughs> um, it's about a cousin of hers that was actually uh, the youngest Marine to go into Iraq in 2001. Wow. And he's a real guy and he's, we're now friends and stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff that I definitely won't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't want to mention. Fair. Uh, and people might have seen me in those things as well. And Fair that's okay. enough. That's part, Fair that's enough. part of the gig. <laughs> that is. Well, so yeah. let's redirect back to something that you hopefully are are prouder prouder of than those things that you won't uh you don't want to mention um speaking of agent hendrix so we're talking mm-hmm. about agent hendrix in national treasure do you remember how you got that role 100 percent um that said because it was so long ago <laughs> i think my memory is 100 percent I might be completely lying to you, <laughs> but this is my memory of it. Okay. Um, I, I, I certainly remember certain things about it. Uh, one of them is that I was walking on 21st Street in Manhattan um, when I got the call. It was either between 5th and 6th or 6th and 7th, and I was going to a spanish language voiceover audition for like paper towels or something you know i was like i had to be like you know bounty you know and um and i got a call right you know i was just like walking around with like a hole in my sock i i, I definitely remember a huge hole in my like my fat toe is i couldn't afford good socks you know and um and I got this call from my agent and they were like, you remember that movie that you auditioned for like four months ago? And they kind of told me, and I was like, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was four months ago. I have no idea. And they were like, well, they, they made you an offer. It's not for the part that you auditioned for. They made you an offer. And I remember being like, what? And when she told me like what the deal was and everything and that I would be working on it for, for like four months and traveling, and I literally felt my knees. And, and like, thank you. Paper towels. I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't cuss. <laughs> no, you can because Emily's no. gonna dub Ben Gates yelling haggis over you cursing, so it's gonna be great. Oh, great! Yeah. Okay. Haggis. Paper towels. <laughs> um, I didn't go to the paper towel audition. Um, that seems fair. Yeah. And it was. I was very very happy. Um. To run it. To run that story back, four months earlier, I had auditioned for John Turtletab. And I think, and I'm this is where my memory gets a little murky. I'm pretty sure I auditioned for Riley. Okay. That's cool. No! We about, yeah, we were about the same age, I think, right? Yeah. 
And uh, I remember that I had a great audition and that, you know, he was like, he was in the room and he was like, dude, he was like, I like you. Um, sounds like him. It sounds like John Turtle. Talk. Yeah. And, and he was like, I, I don't think you're right for this part, but I really like you. <laughs> and, you know, I guess I've had worse auditions. <laughs> and I was like, great. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to meet you. And that was that. And apparently, and you would have to confirm this with Turtle Tap, because I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm making this up as well. But I think there were three FBI agents that were with Keitel, um, which were, I think, Mark Pellegrino, Eric King, and, uh, my God, this woman that played my wife in a different movie. <laughs> now I'm forgetting her name. Annie Parisi. <laughs> Annie Parisi. And uh, the, he had the three of them. And he, I guess he was like, I like this guy. I want to throw him a bone. He wrote in an extra FBI guy. Oh, my God. kind of like, well, just, you know, we'll just give him like a few lines here and there. Like, he'll be kind of like the bumbling kind of idiot. Like, because Riley was kind of like bumbly. Sure. You know. and, um, and that was that. That's amazing. So, um so that was how i got the part um and it was a it was an awesome experience I mean, we could go into the details of, of that in, the, in a minute yeah no, yeah that that's actually my, my next my kind of like follow-up question is like what was your experience like working on the set of i mean you were in both films so both of the films yeah. and yeah I, I i had a great time i had a i wish I had something super specific and and something that'll blow your mind but no I, I had a blast i was like especially when we first started i remember it was so just cool to be in a jerry Bruckheimer movie you know like not all movies are the same you know yeah. not all sets are the same and this was at that time it was a different time in movie making, you know, and just to give you an example, the first, one of the, I was the only New York actor, really, like in the, mm. I would say in the, that, that was in throughout the movie. Sure. Okay. And most of it, this first one anyway, was shot in LA. Mm. And so I would. And, and I wasn't in the movie a lot. I mean, you know, I was, I was like a tertiary character. So I'd be, I'd be in LA, I would shoot a day and then I would have nine days off. And then I would shoot another day and I would have eight days off. And it was lonely. It was mm. really lonely in LA. And everybody had their families and their friends and their lives. And I was just like in this hotel on Hollywood and Highland. <laughs> like... I mean, it was a super nice hotel. Right, right. Well, we'll <laughs> but, take it. <laughs> but, but I was like, I'm really bored. Like, I, I don't, you know, I don't have a life here. I just want to mm -hmm. be back in New York. And I remember very trepidatiously going to the production person and saying, hey, listen, um, I did the math. And I was, I was thinking that, listen, you're paying this much for the hotel and for the per diem and for the car. Um, and like, if you just fly me back, 
it ends up saving you money and like i get to have like a good time because <laughs> i'll be in new york and then you can come you know i can come back two days early if you need like safety or whatever and it'll still save you money and and she was like yeah okay when do you want to go to new york <laughs> and i and i was like well you know maybe tomorrow <laughs> and sure enough boom they send me back to new york and i come back and film another eight days another nine days of nothing I go up to her again and I was like, Hey, um, Kate, you know, can I, can I just talk to you about, and she was like, okay, stop, stop. And I was like, uh, what, what's, what's up? She's like, Armando, do you know what the budget is for this movie? <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, no, I, I don't. And she said, the budget is whatever the movie ends up costing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, nice. Uh, and she said, uh, you want to go back to New York? Go back to New York. You want to stay in the hotel? Stay in the hotel. Do whatever you want. Um, so that's that's an, a national treasure story. Wow. By wow. the way, by the way, never again has that ever happened in my career. Not not in National Treasure Two. Not in the TV show. <laughs> really. You know, not in any other production that I've wow. ever been a part of. This, so this was a different time. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Um, I feel like I went off on a super tangent. No, <laughs> that no, was that's so really interesting. <laughs> no, it's fascinating. Okay, but I and I'm no. sure you've been asked this a million times. But do you have any uh, any fun stories or any uh, impactful, personally impactful stories about working with Harvey Keitel. I mean, you were his right hand man in a lot of senses in the movies. <laughs> he was great. Uh, I'll tell you the most impactful thing that he did for me ever was that in the second movie, I was up for a different movie. Oh. And uh, they were really kind of oh, can you send in another tape or can you come in and read for it again? And I was going in for it and, and, and they just wouldn't give me the part. And I was just super frustrated. And I was like, what? You know, I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him about it. And he was like, wait, who's who's doing that movie? And I said, uh, well, it's a, it's a Steven Soderbergh movie. With, it's about Che Guevara. And he's like, I know, I know someone who's producing it. Hold on, and he, and he got his assistant. He was like, "Call so and so," <laughs> you know, like right then and there on the spot. He grabbed his cell phone, and he like right in front of me. He was like, "Listen, I'm sitting here with Armando Riesco, and he's up for this movie, for this movie that you're making. And I don't know what the hell you're waiting for, but like he's a great actor, and I want you to cast him." <laughs> oh. And and I got cast like within hours. Oh my goodness! I had an offer. That's to, incredible. To so that's my favorite Harvey Keitel story. That is a great yeah. one. Yeah, hold on yeah. to that one yeah. forever. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Wow, very cool. Wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we're really we're always really curious to talk with the actors from this franchise about how you conceptualize your character and especially you know were you given backstory for your character that we didn't really get to see especially when when you first shot the movies because like you said he is more of a tertiary character but whether you whether you received backstory or is i know a, is that a word aubrey is that is, is that a word was what 
tertiary oh, absolutely oh yeah we learned about it all the time in our chemistry it, tertiary okay. bonds are a thing yeah okay so tertiary meaning like third rate -ish. sort of like third okay third level okay. yeah if I mean, it doesn't mean that we can fix it in post absolutely okay. but you know <laughs> i will say edge of history has you up in the in the principle in the primary so yes 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 but in terms of in terms of this character, you know, whether you were given backstory or if you created backstory for yourself, because I know that's pretty common um, for for actors to be able to do to portray the, the role in the way that they envision. What can you tell us about Agent Hendricks as a person that we don't already know? I don't think there's really anything I can tell you. And I'm being completely honest. At the time of the movies, I was just supposed to be helping Harvey Keitel. And there are actors, I think, that that will take material and and you know give themselves like an interesting backstory that sometimes, in my opinion, and this is the way I was taught maybe as well, is like super interesting and not anything that you can really gather at all, you know. So it's like. It's like if I were to tell you, oh, Agent Hendricks, you know, who whose mom committed suicide when he was four in front of him, you know, you'd be like, what? <laughs> just, he's just he's just a guy that like messes up a tip. Right. So so in my opinion, if those are the given circumstances, you have to honor those given circumstances. And if you are going to create a backstory, then it should be something that supports what that story is coming forward. So it was pretty simple when it mm. came to my character in the movies. It was just deliver the information, you know, be confused at whatever I need to be confused by, make Harvey Keitel look smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. It wasn't brain surgery. Um, sure. So, so yeah, I mean, luckily for me, the you know, that moment ended up like sparking something in the Wiverleys that was like, wait, what if this dude was doing that on purpose? Yeah. But obviously none of that stuff was in place 20 years. They weren't thinking when right. we make Edge of History, <laughs> like, let's use the Puerto Rican guy to that. No, like they weren't <laughs> like, no. So so then oh. when you were working on Edge of History and you get this massive turn that a Agent Hendricks is actually Salazar, the, the lead of this, this really nefarious organization, do you get any additional backstory then? Like, do we know why he believes in the ideals of Cross Us Nostrum or anything like that? Um, we don't know why. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not in anything you saw, right? I mean, right, it just, right. It just talks about what it is and why they do it. But I knew from very early on, yeah, they, I mean, that was part of the, that was part of the deal. Like, right as I got this offer, I had an offer to do something else, mm. which is how this, like, welcome to show business, right? You don't get anything for like six months. And then on the same day, two things come in, same time, you have to pick one of them. Um, and the Wiverleys, and, and, and I was leaning towards the other one. Because mm. I was like, National Treasure, like, yeah, I did that 20 years ago. Right. And it was a, there's got to be another word for tertiary. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was, you know, it was just a guy, like an FBI. Mm -hmm. 
and I was like, if it's just for fans, like super duper fans, to just be like, isn't that that same guy? <laughs> He's still around, you know. Then I don't really want to be a part of that. I'd rather do something different. Mm-hmm. And especially since no one else seems to be like on board with this, and and the whole you know the whole Nicolas Cage debacle of of like fans being like. No Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. no national trade. <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. I, don't, I really don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Uh, like, this is the guy you got. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but anyway, the Wiverleys got on the phone with me, which I was like, okay. And they told me everything. They told me what they were planning to do with the character. And at that point, of course, I became super interested mm-hmm. because suddenly suddenly you have you're painting with more colors right you know Mm -hmm. like just what we talked about with Hendrix where you really have to figure out what your color is in the painting and just deliver that you know purple or whatever (laughs) it is then here now you're giving me a little more to play with you know now I can so so that was of interest and that was something that I wanted to do and and I had a blast working on National Treasure, even when I was bored in L.A. I mean, I, I did have a, a, a blast, especially on the East Coast, like when we shot those days at the Intrepid and uh, in Philadelphia and in the second movie at Mount Rushmore. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. So yeah. And, and this delivered just as much. It was super fun. Like, I mean, I know Baton Rouge doesn't have the the reputation of say new orleans or or something like that but it was really fun and the group was great the actors were awesome and so it ended up being just a lovely experience oh good oh awesome yeah so i want to go back to something that you said because Uh you you said um in in the answer to that last question you said of of course you know 20 some years ago they didn't know that Hendrix mm-hmm. was going to be bad. But you also <laughs> mentioned the fact that you were the person who kind of just flubbed a tip. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I might know your answer to this question. But back okay. in the day when you were filming uh-huh. National Treasure, did you think it was weird that Agent Hendrix didn't record the tip about the Declaration of Independence being stolen? Or were you not. just kind of like that? If I'm being completely honest. I, I didn't think, I, I think that was, yeah. it just, it serves the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made sense for that movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like I, I if, <laughs> imagine if I was like super on it, you know, th- th- there's th- all, all of a sudden like something that small can just kind of throw off the entire story. Like you need these idiots to make something this outrageous happen. Yeah, true. You know? <laughs> um, and what's cool is that it ended up being like that they, that they were able to manipulate it in a way that's, I mean, I still think there's a ton of questions that you could ask, mm-hmm. but, but if, but if in fact that was a, a man saying, I need to find a way to, to gum up this situation. Mm-hmm. that's really interesting you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you just have this guy going oh god did i forget to do i'm so sorry like i yeah. you know 
I mean, to be uh, fair, bad. to be fair, I feel like they explain it away in the movie very well. Like they're not going to spend time on something they know is safe, right? It's yeah. I'm I'm sure these sorts of agencies get tips that are that are absolutely ridiculous all the time. So that felt very exactly. normal. Yeah. Exactly. Um okay. I agree. <laughs> I okay. Glad that we're on the same page. Um I'm going to ask you to do some maybe hypothetical theorizing with us a little bit. So Oh my. Okay. We we do our due diligence here on National Treasure Hunt. We did the math, and so we do know that Agent Hendricks became Salazar before the timeline of the movies, which means that Agent Hendricks joined the FBI for a nefarious reason, now given this additional context that Edge of History provides. Why do you think he joined the FBI in the first place? Like, what was he hoping okay. to get out of that experience? So, so this is going to be. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna not agree on on something. Okay. Um, I think you're absolutely right. But, for me as an actor, in my imagination, what helped me to sort of um, get those circumstances in a way that made sense to me, anyway. Mm -hmm. was that I wasn't Salazar until after. Hmm. Oh, interesting. That I was already working for Krasas Nostrum, but that I hadn't become Salazar. That, that that was something that I did to earn. That was one of them, probably the many steps oh. that I had to do to earn Salazar. Uh, oh. Because I had, to, I had to give myself a backstory, even if it, even if it didn't make sense with what's being said on screen, I needed something to get to that scene uh, in the in the last episode. Sure. Where it's like, look, I have had I have had to have blood on my hands. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I had to kill your brother. And yeah, I had to do this. And yeah, I had to do that. And that's why they picked me. Mm, mm hmm You know? Mm-hmm. And I earned it. I yeah. I earned it. Yeah. And so that's the way I kind of explained it in my own head. Okay. Is that is that I I joined the FBI. I was probably a very valuable asset to have, you know, enable you know someone inside to be able to sort of maneuver things and learn things and know about things and give tips and and that and that slowly but surely he he rose up the ranks, so to speak, and you know. Uh, Stuck by Sudusky, mm -hmm. knew about Sudusky, knew that you know, knew that all these things were happening, and all of a sudden you've got this guy on the inside. Mm -hmm. So that's just how I kind of explained it to myself. I don't know if that's <laughs> that might not be helpful for you because you'd be like, "No, dude, you were Salazar beforehand," and you might be completely right, but no. it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> no, that that's I mean that's really helpful and interesting to know because. That was kind of a, a follow-up we, we had was whether learning early on in the filming process of the show that Agent Hendricks was Salazar, like, does that color your portrayal of the character that, you know, does, does that change the way you play the role? Because now you are secretly evil, right? For, like, most of the season. Yeah. Um, yes. I tried not to, but it was really hard. Mm. <laughs> 
it was really hard to not I mean I was listen I was I was happy that it seemed like when the turn happened in episode 9 most of the feedback that I got was oh my god like i can't believe you're that guy best because reveal I ever. we were shocked oh my god it was but, so good <laughs> okay because i was i mean obviously i knew what was happening but i was seeing you know episode two and episode three and i was like oh my god everybody knows that i'm the bad guy this is so obvious really you know? that's so interesting yeah. because the first yeah. one of the first things you said was um about this was that you were you know, you were concerned that people would just kind of like see you and be like, oh, they brought that guy back as Agent Hendricks yeah. and kind of wonder if people would recognize you. And we literally recognized you from the beginning and thought that it was just like a nod. A cute nod. A yeah. cute yeah. nod. And that they were like, yeah. oh, they brought you back. And we stuck with that up until episode nine. Awesome. So, so apparently this was I mean, maybe not as intense as, as you guys, because you guys know the movies like press the bag and back to front. But for everyone else, it seemed kind of similar to your to your reaction, right? And it seemed yeah. like most people were like, oh, okay, he's like the mentor guy. Uh, some people maybe saw it coming. Hmm. But I was like super stressed. <laughs> I was super stressed about oh. it. I was like, oh my God, you can totally see that it's coming, the way I was shot or the way... Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or you know the the story that was that I kept constantly kind of again gumming up the 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 situation. Hey, don't look into that. Don't look, you know. Um, but I guess it worked. Uh, yeah. uh, so for for most people, it worked. So I'm I was thrilled that 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 seemed to to happen. Uh, in terms of playing, I I've always been a fan of like one of my dream roles would be to play Iago. Oh. And I would really? always want to yes. And 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 so this was kind of an Iago yeah. in the national treasure world. And I've always wanted to play Iago with the idea that you that if you are dealing with him, you never see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I would like to to play it. You know, I mean, is that he's just like virtue, a fig, not just in ourselves that we are thus or thus. Our bodies are gardens to the which our wills are gardeners. So we plant nettles. Are... So, so that he's just, he's this guy that's like, dude, I'm trying to help you. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, so that's, that's what I was trying to do with Agent Ross most of the time is that I wanted to play the scenes very off the cuff, very relaxed, you know, and just, and just play the opposite play hey you know like i i really want to help you i think you're great uh i think you you know that that is what i wanted to give off yeah and i feel like the way you interacted with agent ross was in a way it it kind of just made a lot of sense for the character that we knew from the films because in some ways and sometimes it felt like you were really supporting her sometimes it felt like you might have been um you know, being extra cautious because of your own experiences and maybe therefore like try like stifling her a little bit. But it all just if you know yeah. of your character as this person who made this massive blunder early on in your career, those are all really natural reactions to have as now the leader of this unit. So it it I think that that played um I think it played really effectively, personally. Also, there was something about the way Episode Nine devolved, and I think this goes to the whole production and the creative team at large, that I think really helped your cause here, which was that 
in a matter of five minutes, you get two massive reveals. And that is unexpected, right? You get the first reveal that Agent Hendricks killed Sadesky. And then that's like your moment that it's like, okay, big reveal. Oh my God, like I have to grapple with this now. And then before you even can catch your metaphorical breath, now Agent Hendricks is also Salazar. And that just, I think that construction was also really smart, you know, to, yeah. to make it a big reveal. Yeah, it ended up working. And and, and I was really happy that uh, I spoke with the director for that episode who did an amazing job. And he was actually not supposed to be directing that episode. Really, uh, the director for yeah, the director for episode nine. Something happened that I can't can't quite remember what happened. I don't know if it was like a death in the family or something, but he had to jump in at the last second. He was one of the producers, so it's not like he came out of nowhere, right? But he was really like more of like an editor, a guy that does you know a guy who's like way more involved in like post production. He's directed, but he 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 comes at it from more of like an editor's mind, and I remember talking with him about it about that double reveal mm -hmm. and the whole idea something that I love that he did is that because we talked about it is that once you once those tic tacs drop in and, and the, you see this body come around and then I would literally come into frame so you would see me and hit and Sadusky's hand would like reach out for me and I would just kind of like take his hand out of the way and I remember telling him and he agreed with me. And this is the way it ended up being shot. I was like, I don't know that you want to show my face because you want it to be like, it's probably him, but mm -hmm. we did, we never saw the face. So what if she's wrong? Like, what if this is all in Agent Ross's head that this guy, just because he's having Tic Tacs mm -hmm. is, is the guy. And therefore then let's play the scene in the plane completely as innocently as possible like whoa what the like what are you doing dude mm -hmm. like i'm trying to give you a tic tac like what do you you want the gun take the gun right so that so that hopefully what that does is it, that it would give the the salazar moment a little more a little more oomph. i mean yeah. it was gonna get oomph no matter what but i was trying to pack more punch into that last one yeah instead yeah that makes of sense. just that first one but I mean I don't know if that's how you experienced it or not but uh, I mean I yeah. think that that makes a ton of sense also I watch a lot of tv that reveal of Salazar when he when he you know stabs agent Ross and yeah, and then right. and then you see the whole you see the reveal through the eyes of Raphael and his memory that right. whole thing was just done done so well. It's like my favorite big reveal. Honestly, I could have like you could have ended the season there and I would have been content as a viewer, honestly. Like it was that good. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good. I, I was I was really happy with that episode as well. Oh, I'm so uh, that's that's really cool to hear. Um okay, but we also learn in that episode and and the finale more about Cross S. Nostrum's motive, right? This idea of destroying treasures so that their discovery doesn't rewrite history and shift the balance of power in the world. And I think from Emily and, and my perspective, we found this to be a really unique motive, right? This is not a, your typical villain story. It felt very current and it it felt like it invites viewers to have difficult conversations about entitlement and privilege. So, mm -hmm. you know, as the, the actor 
reading the script and, and putting this character and this motive into into action, if you will, what was your reaction to to the motive? What were your thoughts about it? I mean, I, I, I just agree with you for the most part. I mean, I have to agree with you that I, I do think it's very current. Um, I do think that having a grip on the past makes makes it easier to have a grip on the future at the same time, that, that, that they're connected. And therefore, whoever controls it back here controls it up here. Um, so I, I mean, I, I thought it was very interesting as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, this is not like my beef because it's, it's not really a beef. Um, and I, I, I think that it, I think the way I see it is that if this were not national treasure, if this were like, you know, a super deep, serious thing that wasn't aimed mm -hmm. you know, at mostly young people. To me, what's troubling about that topic is that actually people people do know about these histories and about how great these cultures were. And like that information's actually out in the open. Like we all know it. Mm -hmm. It's just that people don't really care. <laughs> like I, mm. or or that it's, you know, swept under the rug, uh, particularly in elementary, middle, and high school. To the point that you know it's it, that you can only get real history taught at like starting at like a college level mm. and therefore not many people will care or really it, it's not going to hit them um so so yeah that i i would say that's my 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 take on it i mean i i i'm also i love history um i before before this was um project i'm like obsessed with the books 1493 and 1491 i don't know if you know them by yeah. charles mann so you know i'm and i'm from latin america so i also i, I i'm very into sort of the native yeah cultures and and what they did and what they were doing back then and and like i said i i think it's it's not like that information is being hidden mm -hmm. or squashed by by a, a group, but maybe it is a little bit, you know. So so anyway, no, that's I think it's a very interesting. I think it's an interesting conversation. For sure. If I had any personal complaint about it is, you know, I hope that if there be there gets to be a second season, and we'll talk season two in a second, but if if there gets to be a second season, I would like to see them dive into this idea a little bit more because it was it was delivered very quickly as the motive and and it's kind of up to the viewer to decide if they want to continue thinking about that and, and really understand mm -hmm. the implications of what it means, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go off script for a second, since you said that you're really interested in history. Um, and you, you're still based in New York. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So have you visited the national treasure relevant historical sites in New York, like the USS Intrepid or like Trinity church for fun? There was a summer in, I want to say 2009 around there. Uh -huh. thereabouts where I was unemployed the whole summer and I was sitting at home and I was like well am I gonna just am I just gonna sit here and wait for the phone to ring or or am I gonna do something 
And I had also, my wife and I had just decided we were not going to move to LA. We were going to stay in New York and we had bought an apartment. And, and I said, well, if I'm going to live here, I want to know what this city's about. And that entire summer, I grabbed about six different books on New York history and architecture. And I spent the entire summer just walking block by block with my little camera. That was still like, I didn't have an iPhone. <laughs> I didn't have a, a phone camera. So it was like a camera. Mm-hmm. And just taking pictures of all the buildings and learning what the difference between, you know, Greek revival and Gothic and Art Deco and learning all that, learning about New York City history, going to Trinity Church, uh, going to the Intrepid. I didn't go to at that point, but but I certainly went to like every single block, probably south of 168th Street. Oh, that's so fun. That is so cool. Brooklyn and and I ended up getting my and I never used it unfortunately but I got my my tour guide license like I just wanted to see if I would pass the test no way and I and I got like a 92 or something like that. so wow uh, so I'm very interested particularly in New York City history Okay, well, when Emily and I come to New York City to visit Trinity Church and the Intrepid, we're going to message you and you can come, you know, bring your family. We can have like a whole national treasure (laughs) party because we love to do that. We love to visit sites and then like show, you know, give give people an inside look on social media, especially if they can't visit themselves. So we'll we'll let you know when we're in New York. (laughs) Sounds good. Um. Uh, so I'm also going to go off script with my next question. And if you if you don't want to answer this, that is it's completely fine. But something right. that you said about, you know, the the way that people are aware of kind of this history that's kind of being hidden kind of just sparked this thought in me. So mm-hmm. speaking about like Agent Hendricks in general, you know, you mentioned that you yourself are Latin American. Do you think that Agent Hendricks, like as a character, was meant to be Latin American because we know, for example, you know, Lizette, like she, her, her heritage is this very similar to Jess's. So, do you think that was also true for for your character? Not at all. Not at, Not all. at all. Okay, because yeah. I, I think I was, I was wondering that because I think what would have been maybe interesting or maybe would have not worked in the situation is if it was abundantly clear that agent Hendricks was supposed to be Latin American and then him playing, especially the Salazar role, not just being part of cross Maelstrom, but being in the Salazar role that would have been like working kind of against, you know, uncovering some of these things. Yeah. I thought about that as well. Um, Emily, I thought about that at the beginning. I I mentioned it to the Wiverly. I was like, hey, you, you know, do you want me to be? I've always wanted to play a Kisses. <laughs> 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 uh, and they were like, no, no, that that's that's one step too far. They they were like, you're Hendrix. And the the Salazar thing is is a God. What was the word that they used in the show? Uh, like a moniker, a. Uh, mm-hmm. a Cabal, like it, it gets passed. Yeah, yeah. The cabal. Yeah, it's like part of a cabal. Yeah. So the cabal is the group, and uh, and whatever that name is gets passed down. So mm-hmm. Salazar could be uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Salazar mm-hmm. could be you. 
Salazar could be. So it's just a name that gets passed down. So mm-hmm. I had to I had to let go of my delusion of you know of being like I'm the I'm the great 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 grandson of Hernan Cortez. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just, that I'm would just be like cool. I'm just like a white guy from Massapequa, you know, <laughs> in the FBI. There's that backstory. See, see, you you've thought about this more than you yeah. were letting on at the beginning. You see, we well, knew no, it. They, they, they squashed it pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, okay. I think there's untapped potential there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could come back maybe as Cortez's ghost in the second season if the if the Ooh. second season happens, you know. Um, speaking okay. of the char- the characters, and you mentioned um, Catherine Zeta Jones's character. Um, one of the questions I think we were left with at the end of the season was the relationship, the existing relationship between Billy and and Agent Hendricks and Raphael, right? Because it was very clear that yeah. They all knew each other and worked together in some capacity. I think the show kind of explained this relationship away a little bit, at least the Raphael part, as like he was pretending to be part of Cross Us Nostrum at some point. But is there anything else you know about this dynamic between these characters that you think would be helpful for us to know? No, uh, there wasn't there wasn't anything that I was told or anything that was like cut or I think what ended up happening for me anyway, the, you know, the way I kind of took it in and experienced it was that uh, for my back, for my own backstory, I, I trusted Billy as far as I could throw her. Mm. Like I knew she wanted to be Salazar. Mm. And I knew that she didn't like being bossed around. And I knew, you know, so so that 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 was evident, you know, from the second that she comes up to me, what are you doing? Well, you know, what do you mean? What are you doing? Why are these guys alive? Like, what is going on? I'm the boss, right? And she doesn't like, you know, so that immediately there's that dynamic mm-hmm. going on. Uh, but but then again, that wasn't really delved into or explained. That was just something like that I had for myself. Sure. No, that's that's great. So, um, you know, obviously, we know spoiler alert to to everyone, but it, it the show's been up for a little <laughs> while now. By the time this episode is uh, going to be released, um, your character, unfortunately for us, is no longer in existence, um, in a corporeal <laughs> manner in oh the series. He will always exist in our hearts. <laughs> but not in a corporeal <laughs> manner. Um, that being said, uh, if Listen, there were a- to be... Agent, Agent Ross survived a sword. I <laughs> know. That's wild. what I mean. Maybe, maybe, okay. So the, this you know will how much bacteria that. that sword must have had. Right. Like, that thing is like 500 years. <laughs> yeah, Salazar made it sound like he'd killed a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but what, what would you like to see in a Pasekta? potential second season of edge of history aside from obviously your character not having actually died from <laughs> from a cold open Jones's. <laughs> we didn't find hendrix's body <laughs> um, <laughs> an alligator ate it <laughs> um, 
No, I, I really, second season, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I've already told you that I love New York City history. So there's so many cool historical treasures to pick from, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if you wanted to keep it, or if you wanted to make it more New York, which I always like making things, I guess maybe something with, there's there, there's got to be treasures like on the seaboard right on the east, eastern seaboard a lot Blackbeard, of shipwrecks yeah blackbeard maybe maybe a, have a little captain kid or something Ooh. like very new yorky uh i wouldn't mind delving into that history but god they have so much to pick yeah. and choose from i hope yeah. i hope they get a second season that's all i can say i mean can um, can i tell you a fun fact i wonder if you know yeah. So we learned from the the story writers that like the the story creators that the an initial version of the first movie actually had a very different opening with the Ben Gates character exploring a shipwreck um in in the ocean and then once he surfaces you learn that he was off the coast of Manhattan. Oh. Very cool. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like that was like meant for for someone like you with this passion you have for New York history. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't. Yeah, again, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure if they're tied to Louisiana as a filming location. I'm not. Mm. You know, who knows? I have sure. no idea. Okay. There's, there's so many variables that go into like a show getting picked up for a second. True. Season. I mean, the the macroeconomic environment that Disney's facing. I mean, there's so many things that, who knows? I, yeah. But I really, really hope for the Wiverleys and for everybody else that they do. Yeah, well, we agree with you there. Um, so as we start wrapping up this conversation, which has been an utter delight, um, we <laughs> have oh, to... Oh, it has been. It, no, truly. Okay, good. Um, we have to subject you to the National Treasure Hunt speed round. Okay, so this is just a game we play with every guest we have on the show where we're going to give you a series of like rapid fire, like this or that type questions that you're going to hopefully be able to respond to. And you can give as much or as little explanation as you want. Sound good? I'll try. Okay, perfect. If you could play the role of any other character in the entire National Treasure universe, who would you pick? I'd I'd go with something like Oren or Riley. Okay. Something yeah, fun, nice. something silly, something, you know, usually when you play a character for a long time, they kind of get into your bloodstream. Yeah. And it'd be nice to like, just be able to play a character that dances Gloria Stefan songs, like yeah. during the morning <laughs> and just like chills. Yeah, that's that's fun and and as you know consistent like we know he's a good guy throughout the whole franchise there's not some like random spin that's not gonna be a plot coming (laughs) 20 years later surprise um okay (laughs) your favorite quote or scene from either the movies or the series um i was gonna stick with the series because that's the the lesser known of of all of them and i it's a it's an orin i i have like an orin thing um what, what what's the line on when he when they're at the alamo dude there's a horse that one dude there's a horse 
Sorry, I'm obsessed with that line. (laughs) Aubrey really is. Uh, No, I laughed out loud when he said, I, for one, will not forget the Alamo. (laughs) (laughs) I, for one, will never forget the Alamo. Something like that. Epic. I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud. I I felt, you know what? That moment to me was also special because that episode felt to me like that's when the show kind of Yes. Yep. You know, it took a while. It takes a while sometimes, yeah. right? Yes. And, and it was it was a little wonky there at first, I think. But yep. But I think it it kind of found its legs. Definitely. So and and, and that moment to me, I was like, that's it. That's funny. Yeah. That's nerdy. That's history. That's kind of just tongue in cheek. Like that felt right. Yeah. You know. So mm-hmm. so that's why I like that one. It is so fascinating to hear you say that about that particular episode because that we've said that on our show before is we felt like that's when that's really when it started. It was a huge turning point, that whole episode and, and the context, the the double crossing, the double crosser, all of that at the Alamo. And and yeah, yeah. I, that's really cool. Um, OK, what was your favorite location or set from the movie or the series? Um, I'll go with. I'll go with South Dakota. Mm, nice. So it was like, yeah, that was beautiful. And I probably would, I don't know that I would have ever gone there if it wasn't for the movie, but it was amazing to spend three weeks like going to the Badlands and trying on cowboy boots. I mean, like, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's, it's not that unique, but to me it was. You yeah. know, I'm like from, I'm from my, yeah, with Puerto Rico, like, going to south dakota was like whoa yeah that is so cool uh, it was very cool we haven't been out there yet it's on our list it's so just amazing how many lemons is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator i i've, I've heard you guys ask this before <laughs> have you on, on instagram mm-hmm. so i knew this was coming mm-hmm. i'm glad i I heard it because I would have no idea what you were talking about otherwise. I'd be like, what? That's so funny. Um, and I say, we didn't have lemons. Uh, when I was growing up, we had, our neighbor had a lime tree uh-huh. that like came over the fence and into our yard. And sometimes that thing would drop like 80 lemons or limes, I guess the little green ones. Yeah. Into our backyard. We would use all of them. That's cool. Like lemonade, rum and coke. You know, <laughs> you, okay. can, you can do a lot of things. So have as many as you can grab. That's you know, Patrick would very much support that answer. Patrick Gates. Um, also, that for the record, that's my favorite question because we get the wildest answers. So, <laughs> and because it's fun to see if people know why we're asking. Yeah, that's question. Too. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known. I'll be completely I mean, you honest. weren't in I, those I, I would have been like, hmm. yeah, but, and I also, like, I haven't seen, I saw the first one before, uh, before shooting the series, but the second one, I haven't seen. God, I haven't seen it in 12 years. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. your secret safe with us and all of the National Treasure Hunt listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is one word you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Uh, probably 
complicated. Complicated. One day, mysterious, complicated, something, something in that world. Okay. Who has a secret room in there? You know, that's not. That is a life. Someone like. It's certainly not like you know forthright. Simple. Yeah. Well, can we talk about how he ended up with like the original clues in his room? Things that should definitely be in like a museum or something. Yeah. 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 Um. I had okay. To, I had to take him out. Someone had to. Take him. Someone yeah, had. To... I, something had to be done. Okay. So, fun fact: you're on National Treasure Hunt. We have very complicated feelings about Agent Sadusky, and by we, I mean me. Um, okay. So, so yeah, I I have a bone to pick with Agent Sadusky most of the time. So I thank you All for right, your so... service. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, okay, almost done. Favorite conspiracy theory in Riley's book? Talk to me. Basically, <laughs> Riley writes a book. It's all about conspiracy theories. Do you have like a favorite conspiracy theory in the world that? Or like something that intrigues you or fascinates you, or like you'll go down that Instagram rabbit hole, you know? No, no, none. You don't well, like want to know if aliens like, are real. So in, the, so in the second movie, he's got like the, the book that he has. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. That he's trying to sell at Borders. Yeah, R.I.P. Borders. R.I.P. Yeah. Borders. R.I.P. Borders. <laughs> that book. Yeah. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I, I can't say that I am. Fair. I mean, you did say you were really into history, so like that that feels fair. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like history is so complicated that you don't really need like conspiracy theories. It's just it's just too much. It's like too much sugar in the in the coffee or something. You know, it's, it's already yeah. so complicated as it is. That's true. Um. Okay. Last speed round question before Emily wraps Go up. National treasure. Or Book of Secrets. Which movie is your favorite? National Treasure. Very little yeah. hesitation there. <laughs> we we agree. <laughs> okay. Nicholas Cage jumped off the Intrepid. Fair. Six times, okay. by the way, she jumped six times, and it wasn't him; it was just double. But uh, okay, <laughs> six times they did that. Six times. That poor man. He would come back up every single time. And I was like, bro, are you all right? <laughs> you were like, that jump could kill a man. <laughs> well, that jump killed. Here's the thing. That jump killed a man. Once. Really? But not like uh, during filming. No. In a, well, okay. during filming for a different project, someone did a similar stunt. A friend of this guy's. And the guy got, you, you know, you're, you're doing these jumps very near the shore. So it's very marshy and muddy, and the guy jumped, went in, got stuck in the mud. That was it. Um, so for this one, they had divers. He was on ropes, mm. uh, all kinds of stuff. So he was really actually, he ended up being more worried about the water getting in his ears, like the Hudson River. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah. There. <laughs> you, you do want to worry about that. Wow. You do. Wow. Well, um, okay. So I always get to kind of wrap these episodes up with one of my favorite questions, which is, um, what is one message you have for National Treasure fans that are listening to just this conversation today? Uh, my only message is thank you. Thank you for 
supporting like the stuff that we did <laughs> that we're doing uh, hopefully that they will keep doing um and i wasn't planning on saying this but as much as you can if you do like the show and the movies and stuff you know there's i think there's like a a world out there of internet uh hate that's really kind of exaggerated it's just it's 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 just kind of nonsensical um not necessarily the nicholas cage thing because i mean okay sure i get it nicholas cage is awesome of course every, i think everybody wanted him to be in the series like you know what i mean like they couldn't get him probably yeah. is what happened um or he didn't want to do it or, or whatever it was you know but there there's been just a lot of negativity that that I feel like is unnecessary and uncalled for and really sort of makes no, like, it just makes no sense. You can tell that it's coming from a place of where they're not giving the show any kind of opportunity. It's just like zero, <laughs> you know, zero stars. Zero, zero. And, and it's like, I understand if you give it four stars or five or six or maybe you like it you give it eight or whatever it is but at least watch the thing and and like know what you're talking about you yeah. know because uh i mean this is not just national treasure by the way this is i think a whole disney thing where people are just going like woke disney is ruining everyone's <laughs> it's like i don't think that there was anything that was like that woke about this show you know it was just kind of down the middle it was pretty yeah am i wrong i, I mean am, am i uh you tell I, I me mean, i don't know we're all we're probably pretty biased um but <laughs> <laughs> no i mean we thought it was super fair and and we think there's also you know as as a podcast that's been around for a couple of years and we've been thinking so deeply about this franchise as you noted you know we think that there are fair ways to, to critique but then it's it's a matter of you know critiquing based on having watched and being able to compare it to the the established franchise the established movies in that tone but then also acknowledging all of the things that are phenomenally done you know what i mean there are fair ways to have conversations about pieces of media um that acknowledge strengths and weaknesses as opposed to just exactly. destroying something because of um whatever belief you know you might have <laughs> what you yeah. said <laughs> so yeah so if, emily when you go to edit it use that as my answer <laughs> okay oh my god that's amazing uh yeah just use emily just use some of that deep fake technology that billy uses and just turn yeah. my voice into, into rondos and we're good right i mean that. i think you guys said the same thing <laughs> I, it just we just said it differently yeah it's same thing um, same thing differently <laughs> yes that's one way of putting it i think people are going to want to hear it from you yeah absolutely a hundred percent well this has been truly an, a fantastic conversation we can't thank you enough for joining us here today yes thank thanks you. for having me i really enjoyed it the secret really does lie with salazar doesn't it em Oh my goodness, I feel like I say this every single time, but literally, like, how how do these interviews keep getting better? And 
how do we keep learning more information and how are we so fortunate to be able to talk to all of these amazing people? And they're all so lovely. They are. Like truly, actually one of my favorite parts of that conversation was, you know, right from the get-go, Armando was so gracious and so funny and so kind. And then whenever we would start asking him specific questions about Agent Hendricks as Salazar, specifically, his whole demeanor would change and he would like almost become Salazar. And I was like, this is wild. Yeah, it was it was very shocking uh, in the moment <laughs> to realize. I hope my face didn't give away, like, <laughs> my surprise. I mean, I take a lot of screenshots during the interviews to use right. on our Instagram, and there are some good ones from this Amazing. episode. <laughs> well, um, I think my favorite was the kind of non, um, non-planned uh, little conversation that we had about how the story of Salazar's involvement in uh, Process Nostrum would have changed if Agent Hendricks was, like Armando, Latin American. Yeah, that w- you picked up on that mid-interview. I remember typing you a little note being like, this is so good. If you can find a way to ask this in a non-awkward way, do it. <laughs> And we did. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was interesting that he had thought about that himself. Yeah. Honestly, he doesn't give himself enough credit. I remember back when I was messaging him to get this interview scheduled, he was like, I don't know how much I can tell you. That's interesting. But like, you all know way more than I do. And I was like, trust me, we will we will eat up anything that you have to say. Um, And I also assured him that his character went from being truly a minor character to the most interesting character in the franchise basically overnight yeah literally (laughs) (laughs) so with that said we cannot thank armando enough for joining us here on national treasure hunt and we hope you all enjoyed the episode yes and if you have not already or you know it's been a little time now and it's time for a rewatch go ahead and check out National Treasure Edge of History streaming now in full on Disney Plus. Um, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast and please don't forget to order our new book which is now available. Oh my goodness, so exciting. It is. And hey, real talk for a second. If you've been enjoying these fun bonus episodes we've had coming your way here in season six and you want to do something nice to to show your love, consider leaving us a five-star review and some nice comments on Apple Podcasts or any platform that accepts reviews. We so, so appreciate it. And of course, don't forget to come back for our next regularly scheduled episode in another week. We can't wait for you to hear what we have cooked up for you. But until then... I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt.